Hey everybody, this is the Revelland podcast and my name is Stephanie Singer. I'll be your host today. This is the July edition of the podcast, which is a deep dive into the process of transforming gigs into accessible and immersive experiences. You can find an accessible version of this podcast with subtitles and video on our website and YouTube at Discover Revelland. If you're all comfortable, I'll do what I always do and introduce myself. So, I'm a white woman, I'm living in London, and I've got long blonde hair. Today, you'll find me inside my flat in South London, and I'm sitting in front of a green wall with a white fireplace. I'm wearing a black top, and I have a silver ring on the index finger of my right hand. Bit of context. Each month, I get the privilege of meeting and chatting with another band on this adventure of transforming their gigs into experiences. Today, it is perhaps contraption. And one of the fascinating things is about this journey, each band is totally unique. And part of the experience design is really encouraging a band to invite us into their world, which is something that perhaps contraption does very easily, considering there's nine musicians, each of them a different brass player. So already their sound is very immersive. But what is it when they take this to the next level? So I'm delighted to have uh, perhaps contraption in the space with me. It's not the full band, not the full community. We've only got two glorious members with us um, who will introduce themselves in a second. But obviously I've encountered you before at a live show and I know that your live shows are huge and all encompassing as well. So I'd love for you to introduce uh, who, you, who you are and what you play and a little bit about the whole vibe of perhaps contraption. So Christo, we'll start with you. Hello, I'm Christo Squire. Um, I am a white man. We're in a studio at the moment uh, with a slightly fuzzy bad moustache, a blue top, uh, pink braces, a yellow badge. Um, that's about it, really. Um, and I play, um, in perhaps contraption, I play flute and piccolo and a bit of tenor sax and guitar. Uh, and singing as well. Uh, and Mickey, uh, yeah. And me, um, I'm Mickey, and I play the trombone and sing and shout in the band. And today I am I'm wearing, well, it's a t-shirt that says First Taunton Wilton Scouts. Because I'm obviously a very <laughs> proud scout. I've managed to keep this hold of this for a while. I have got a white face and sort of sort of a, a bedraggled. I'd say it's out of control stubble. It is a beard, but it's not very really smart at the moment. There we go. Fabulous. What else? What do you want to know? <laughs> Oh, a lovely hat very, as well. Got a hat, very got beard. A hat on and some headphones. And very beard focused introductions. I enjoyed that. That's your beard. <laughs> I sadly don't have a beard myself, so I can't I can't introduce that one. <laughs> you can put your hair around your face. It's your true. Maybe I'll do that <laughs> for the for the um whole whole podcast. <laughs> no. All right. That's for another time. So Perhaps contraption. I've I've encountered you at festivals first. That was my where? first encounter where did you with you. See I think us? I believe. <laughs> I think you were at Wilderness. Oh, yeah. 
I think because we were there with Bittersweet and I believe you encircled me and a couple of other people. Mm. <laughs> so give give our kind of audience a sense of without this kind of level of Reveland, which is transforming your gigs into experiences, which are accessible and immersive, which obviously is the mission statement of Revelland. Tell us, without Revelland, what is a perhaps contraption gig like already? Because it's it's quite an experience, no? <laughs> uh, already. I hope, yeah, I hope so. We like, It's definitely an experience for us doing it. Um, and we do seem to get uh, illicit, powerful responses from some audience members um well we're a, we're a nine piece um sort of contemporary brass band uh which we write all our own music we can perform in procession so we've been parts of lots of parades or lots of site specific performances so we're very sort of flexible with where and when we will perform and our movements um we love to move a lot, so there's, there's lots of choreography. Um, we wear brightly coloured costumes. So we have lots of red and... No, not red, sorry, plum and yellow in our costumes. So we've got a sort of exuberant costume theme. Um, and the music s- sort of walks this tightrope between celebratory and uplifting, but it's also quite, quite heavy and visceral, um, in in places um but i think there's we generally communicate quite a celebratory uh a celebratory atmosphere like it's very effusive and we we definitely put give our all to the performance uh so yeah there's something very joyous about you and i think that part of the magic of perhaps contraption certainly as i observe it is that you are very much a community because there's so many of you, it feels like already kind of when you attend or uh, when you become part of a perhaps contraption gig, you kind of enter a community with you. You join, you join the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's really amazing because and I think, yeah, the level of noise that those instruments can make basically kind of hits the audience already. And I know that, you know, in the past you have also taken quite a theatrical approach I'd say to the kind of curation of your experiences and your gigs in the past you had one very notable theatrical kind of experience that you made so this isn't your first rodeo is it no it's not our first rodeo no but uh, what we did a month in Edinburgh doing our show called Nearly Human which had um, movement and lights and a sit-down audience which was new to us because I think we're, we're quite used to, you know, walking around and getting in people's faces reasonably politely. And um, so it was odd having um, a sit-down audience. I think that was the, the biggest difference, transferring to theatre. That's really interesting because it's like, I suppose... It, that's not the aim of this new Revelland experience, no. is it? It's to actually... So you can kind of take that learning in because a sit-down audience watching you is not the same thing as kind of becoming part of you (laughs) as a band which definitely feels more perhaps contraption um and so i don't actually know i don't think i've ever asked you this but how did it how did you guys start like what was the first thing what was what brought you together as a band um well it's it actually the the band 
was born, well, the concept was born in 2011, uh, but perhaps Contraption as a as a band name has been around since 2004. Um, but for the for those first um, that first period of time, it was a rock band, um, and it was uh, it was still very experimental and unusual. But after exploring that for a long time, um, I, I got really bored with um, guitars. I mean, I'm a guitarist, <laughs> but uh, towards the end, I, I, I got really bored with using guitars and lugging amps around. And I started busking a lot or playing with bands in the street. Um, and I was just really inspired by brass and woodwind instruments and having that mobility. Um, and I really, I've always really liked marching bands. Um, so in 2011, actually, we've just turned 10 uh the as of as of last weekend it was this era of perhaps contraptions 10th birthday because uh, we did our first shows at glastonbury festival in uh 2011 um so that's that's kind of nice it's been 10 years of exploring this kind of mobile brass band version of perhaps contraption i mean i think it will it, it's finally arrived after those sort of first six years of doing other things the the brass band was really where it's meant meant to be, um, and yeah, I was uh, Mickey had been playing with an earlier incarnation of perhaps contraption, where it was this sort of it was kind of acoustic guitar and glockenspiel and drums in a pram, and it was this weird like hybrid version of the old band and the new band, um, and I'd I'd met Mickey. Uh, he he used to play in a fantastic band called the, the Display Team, and I used to go to all their gigs. And I sort of poached Mickey from the Display Team, or said, "Do you want to do you want to do this weird band with me?" <laughs> and thankfully, Mickey said yes. <laughs> do you know uh, why I said yes, though? I was t- I just read no. that book, um, uh, Yes Man. Do you remember that? What's yeah. <laughs> I love that context. That is so and, uh, good. I was just saying yes to everything, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> oh, thanks. Love it. Because the, the band at that point was actually quite bad. <laughs> or quite... Definitely lacked bottom end because we just didn't have any bass. It's just a stupid lineup. Um, so glad you said yes, Mickey. <laughs> And then through a series of, once Mickey was on board and this transition was happening, it was through a series of arts jobs, arts council ran mailing list adverts, um, met some fantastic people through arts jobs. And then uh, met our French horn player at the time on a train platform. She was carrying a French horn and she said, do you want to do the band? Here's my card. Um, And various people who'd come to rehearsals already knew other people. So it kind of just branched out from a few initial connect, a few initial adverts and chance meetings and ban and poaching other people from bands, and then after a few years, it arrived. You grew like an organism. Yeah, mm. and then it arrived. We were we were six piece, then seven piece. We eventually arrived at nine piece, and it was like, okay, this is this is enough now. When we were realizing what sort of colours and textures we needed to do what we wanted to do so eventually we arrived at a nine piece about four or five years ago i think that's when it kind of settled it's weird because there was two worlds colliding where everyone knows each other because we knew each other from sort of this the weird rock world 
and then everyone who joined to that was they were sort of more from the classical world and they all knew each other and then so there's a bit of this this crossover which i guess you know comes comes out in the sound of the band as well yeah exactly you've got the kind of art school kind of grungy dirty rock scene mashing with the classically trained scene there's something that um, it makes me think that, and you said it, Chris, as well, that there is an experimental edge to you, for sure. You know, I mean, it's it's like, and that's what's so cool about it is it's like very joyous, very um, accessible music, but it's also quite, it's densely composed at points and like pretty experimental. Um, so that's, that's exciting, I think. Um, and you also mentioned a word like right at the beginning when you were describing that the concept for the band and so far as I've known your brains I know that um you are conceptually driven in some ways um is that fair to say you you draw you draw in influences from lots of different places that inspire the music or the way in which you make it's not just sort of sound driven it's kind of you draw from lots of different places don't you yeah Absolutely. Um, Mickey, you've probably got more to say about that. I've got loads to say. But, um, <laughs> I'm unsure whether I should. I, I mean, I'm Just really let go. Sure I'm going to say. Oh, I guess we are. <laughs> I guess we are. I mean, the whole, the whole idea of the band is is a concept. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know if you could. It's a weird idea to come up with in the first place. That It's a, it's a brass <laughs> band trying to play sort of pop music with classical instruments and we definitely try and push the boundaries and stuff like that with with the sound as in it's really hard to say oh we're a brass band because I think people think of other you know there's there are lots of really good brass bands but they're playing like happy covers um I mean the song happy and and I don't have I don't have a problem with them, but that isn't us, and that isn't that isn't what we're trying to do. Who knows what we're trying to do? But <clears throat> we're making some noises. Well, it, well, it's always felt very important that we wear costumes as well. I think that's a, obviously a big element, um, and we, we really sort of embody, embody our performing alter egos um, and we used to have our drums in a Victorian pram so it's very like stylized and very that that whole side of it allowed us to kind of let go more in performances I would say just get in the role a lot more you get that separation between normal life and showtime mm. and the costume and concepts really help that um, and we always I think movement has always been a big part of what we do because because we can and um I don't think many bands can. Or, I mean, orchestras are normally sat down and rock bands are sort of tied by their leads and they can do head head nodding and head banging, it's called. Um, but, you know, you're fairly limited. They're not doing pirouettes. Uh, where, you know, there are members of the band who do pirouettes. <laughs> I mean, that that's the defining yeah. You get caught up in your guitar band. lead. You'd get a little twizzled up. <laughs> oh, it's just so nice to be able to play completely acoustically, and the and the sound works. And that was that was definitely a very early decision. Was 
that the composition should work whether there's microphones there or not and so we'd had to really build in choral moments and really think very carefully about the instrumentation and when it's used um but it's it's one of the best decisions we'd ever made really because it it's, we've played in the maddest places i mean we've played in the dolomites up mountains we've played on beaches and forests and we've just we've just been all over the place or i mean we were doing a gig in spain once and it was this street show at this brass festival and it started chucking it down and so we were just like right let's parade somewhere else so we carried, we didn't stop the show we paraded to cover and we could carry on doing the show and it was just such a wonderful moment to be able to be so flexible and again it's, it gives that element that you felt when you saw a stuff where you feel a bit included and definitely when we parade it's like they're taking us somewhere this they're carrying us along that sort of feeling of parade and celebration is, is really important and really fun to play with yeah i love that yeah there's definitely there's undoubtedly like a togetherness kind of in the space with you um and and so you already think quite have thought quite deeply and and quite practically about like how your gigs are uh, invitations i suppose and it hasn't been necessarily it doesn't sound like it's been conscious it sounds like it's just been kind of like you've been stylizing things and selecting things as you go and refining the band's identity um kind of in relation to gigs and in relation to the audiences that you you observe experiencing your music um so I, versus some of the other bands i think revelland is kind of like it feels very logical for you to be like yes um this is obviously something that you're already kind of the, this is the sphere that you're operating in this is the brains that you kind of already have um but obviously the, the there's like a few challenging extra levels with revelland not least the, the context of coronavirus <laughs> Um, but I mean, we'll definitely get to that. Um, but I guess, can you ground us in like a, a in a as evocative a, a way as possible? What is your dream vision for what you would do for Everland or what you're going to do in September? And I understand there are challenges, but let's go for the big vision now, and we'll tuck into the meaty bit of the challenge in a minute. Ooh, you've is got this? To do that one. You've, if... got, you've got to nail this, Christine. I... Don't feel like you want to nail it. No, no, no. Just bring it to life. What your what are the things the the concepts and the and the and the things you're designing, making? Okay, so this is what we are actually doing, not what I would do yes. without any restrictions. This oh, is this No, is not... let's go for what you're actually doing. Okay, good. Okay. Uh then that's hope. fine. What <laughs> what we hope. Yeah, we hope we're doing. Yeah, we hope we can be there and that the co that's the COVID issue of us being able to travel is complex we'll get to that but the actual the actual um concept is we we wanted to create an installation a short and emotional and musical experience that has multi-sensory multi-sensory aspects um and we're channeling through that the theme through the theme of memory and through a big kinetic installation which is a, a pendulum a giant sand pendulum um which is a version of a, a thing called a harmonograph, which uh, is essentially a pendulum, but it draws musical intervals in kind of like a, um, a spirograph. Very intricate geometric structures are drawn with harmonographs. Um, and it's very simply a, a large pendulum. And this pendulum is being used to represent memory. 
um, and we are the audience members are invited to fill up the pendulum with sand again sort of significant of their experiences and their their memory and their, their hopes and uh, as the pendulum is filled um, this will be soundtracked by live music uh, hopefully we'll be there surrounding the audience as this goes on and we're also going to be working with a deaf performer who is going to describe uh, some sort of emotional event that happens to them. We're still writing the actual, the actual event and we're actually seeking um, a deaf writer as well to help develop the, the narrative for the show. But essentially, some emotional incident happens. The, uh, the memory is sort of logged and set in this, through this ritual of filling the sand pendulum with the sand that audience members have been given. And the sand is going to be scented and it's probably going to be coloured. Um, so there'll be this kind of nice multi-sensory aspect from the start. And then the pendulum is set in motion and over the course of about 10 minutes, a beautiful pattern will be drawn and the band and the performer will be uh, surrounding the pendulum and playing music to match the movements of the pendulum and doing some choreography. And then once the the memory has been set, the memory is set on uh, in, in a pattern, then it will be destroyed. So it's, it kind of feels this, there's this sense of, um, of preciousness and time passing and memories fading. Uh, and it's going to be swept away by our performer in hopefully some very lovely and visually exciting way. And then the, uh, the emotional event, the, um, the story that you heard at the start will be repeated, but this time some elements are going to be changed. And the idea of that is to make the audience members uh, question what they've seen at the start and how it differs from the end. Um, get Altering the, um, the story is going to be quite key as to how, how, um, how obvious we make that. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially what's going to happen what's going to happen, but it's a giant pendulum and it's about memory. <laughs> it's such a evocative and um, detailed vision, I think. And it's also like, I mean, knowing, and we're, like knowing where this all began, you know, a year and a half ago now about the, the world in which we, we, we lived in then is not the world we live in now. You know, the concept of, I, you, at the beginning, at least, um, we could hear so many hopes in the thing you were saying. You know, we hope that this that will be there live to do the music. You know, there's there's so much. There's still so many ifs around the kind of whether or not um, the experience as is in your mind will take place um, in the way that you imagine it. But it, the experience that you're designing is so beautiful. I mean, it's like it's like I can see it. I can feel. Uh, like the ceremonial um, influences that are in it. Like I can imagine it being staged in lots of different spaces, in gallery spaces, as well as gig spaces. Like it seems like a really versatile experience installation that you're kind of making. Um, and so, and obviously memory at this time, like is there any kind of uh, relationship between the context of this coronavirus climate that we're in and the topics that you're exploring? Do you think they've been, do you think they've been encouraged by this climate or, or are they separate? How did you arrive at memory, I guess? I think it's impossible not to have been influenced by coronavirus. 
slash COVID-19 because it's just, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And, and I think of even trying to remember what life was like before is, it feels a bit weird thinking I would open a door and not worry about the handle or I would go on a train and not worry about pressing the button and all that stuff. So I think memory is really important to us at the moment and because we also have the memory of what we're trying to get back to hopefully after all this is done and and I guess in the same way that the piece is trying to show that memory is also sometimes a bit false or a bit fake and possibly a bit more optimistic maybe some of the things we look back on weren't weren't quite as good as we are remembering them like going to the pub was pretty nice but they all say they're a bit busy sometimes you don't want to have to queue for the bar now you don't so <laughs> don't have to queue for your own fridge no. do you <laughs> so, yeah why don't we just do one about pubs do the show about pubs <laughs> and so let's i mean i guess let's from your perspectives like we're in july and the gigs are happening in september which always i think july and september sound so far away in 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 atmosphere because july is july it's the, it's the summer you know <laughs> and september is the beginning of the next year sort of somehow because i'm still so embedded in school brain but obviously it's not really that long away and and you're still saying hopes and I think that so many kind of musicians and artists and literally any human being will be able to um, sympathize or empathize with you on that because that's a lot of uncertainty um, two months ahead of a live show. What are you feeling, <laughs> if you don't mind sharing, what are you actually feeling about that? Uh, it's definitely very stressful, um, but you just we just have to approach it logically and uh, find solutions if we can't be there. You know, we'll have to pre-record the music and have to direct from afar and help make sure that the vision that we have is, um, is accurately represented and the people that experience it have a powerful experience. Um, so there's, there's definitely sort of safety nets that we can put in place, but it's, it's really tested, um, certainly my skills as a producer to plan other, yeah, all, all eventualities um, and just cover cover um, multiple outcomes is you just have to have your brain in two places at once. Um, yeah, but it, it's definitely stressful. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just, just, just hoping, hope, a lot of hope that we'll be able to, to do what, what we set out to do. It's interesting as well because I suppose I think about after this experience is done and it's happened and then you've got an installation and a map and a production schedule and you and whether you were there or not in your brain you have designed something that could theoretically happen worldwide because you will have developed the skills and you might not even need to be there. There's something that I can see. The stress is huge, but the but the possibilities after that actually are quite massive mm. internationally for like as a as a separate way of like touring. 
Um, but it's, I mean, does it, does that excite you as a potential growth point for the music industry in that way? So it's like, you might not even attend all of these exhibitions that possess sort of the qualities of the perhaps contraption feeling, but like perhaps contraption are not there. Is that, is that of interest to you as musicians or does that feel like a loss? Uh, it, de- yeah, it, it definitely like interests me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of like it. <laughs> Mickey doesn't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's just because yeah, I've never done anything like that before, so it's learning learning new things. So that side of it's exciting. I mean, I'd rather be performing, but it's a new thing. Do, but do you hate it? I mean, I, that's the thing. Um, well, no, I'd just rather be performing. That's the that's the thing. I'd rather go travel internationally. I get that that's not possible and might not be possible for years and years and years and years but who knows yeah but the the prospect of in a, in a way it feels very professional to have designed an experience and just be like this is how you you set it up here's the instructions the artist won't be there it feels like yeah. Like pro fine art. <laughs> Very Akram card. Yeah, right. Like f- fine art <laughs> yeah. gallery kind of level of of doing things that we we would never have even considered doing before this. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'd be, it would, if there's a possibility of kind of having the performance travel to different places um, and it be able to run with gallery staff or venue staff are able to set it and make it run and we just use projections and pr- recordings and and the pendulum then that's definitely a really exciting prospect and a really unusual outcome from unexpected outcome but i think is a really um really creative way of dealing with these with these limitations that we have at the moment i guess most art the artist isn't present during the viewing that's why music's the best it's the privilege <laughs> I know it's true because the artist is present (laughs) (laughs) but in this it's interesting isn't it actually to kind of observe whether that I mean I guess we already see that that is the shift don't we I mean if you're listening to an album I suppose then the artist is not present but sometimes Mm. the recording gives you the impression Mm. the way that the person is mic'd or the environment you know that's why lots of albums when they have those moments in between the sessions where you hear all the musicians being like having a chatter in the background Mm. or whatever um you feel like they are present but i hate um, live yeah it is rarer (laughs) yeah i can't get into them (laughs) you want everything live no i I mean i like an album but i like listening Mm. to music but a live album always feels it never sounds right and it doesn't feel even a live album of something I'd seen probably wouldn't feel right because you get all the vibrations and the atmosphere when you're actually there which that's the Mm. thing that makes it um, a step up and I guess that's what we're trying to recreate in some ways that's interesting actually because when I think about experience design generally like the thing that really excites me is kind of increasing the liveness for people 
um, as, as like the reason to stimulate the senses, the reason to think sensorially is because it kind of it holds people's attention just that little bit further if you do it right it keeps people present keeps people here with you and so it's so easy in gigs and in just I guess in in daily life at the moment to slightly disengage um and um yeah it's interesting it's interesting kind of pushing that point further what you're saying Mickey kind of pushing liveness um and in the case of Revelland, generally, the, the, their mission statement is immersive and accessible or immersive and inclusive. Um, and I just wanted to kind of explore that in, in the ways in which both the process as well as the outcome uh, and your relationship to accessibility and inclusivity. Like I've said before on this podcast and the other ones that I, I don't identify as disabled. I'm not disabled. Um, and there's been a... Uh, quite a strong feeling that this process has not involved necessarily deaf voices at the centre, partly because there's been um, issues with connecting groups via the technologies we've been using. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you as a band, I know you've done work to involve deaf voices already, but what's, what do you have to say on, on, on the matter of accessibility and uh, in relation to this piece? Well, I, th- I think when you said, oh, they're aiming for immersiveness and inclusivity, I think the immers- immersiveness is something that we're probably strong on, but inclusivity is not something we've really had to do before. We've done a few things here and there, but um, I think there was, uh, we definitely haven't spoken to enough people who would say they were disabled or deaf people, and um, I think that's one of the things... Because I was thinking about the narrative, and I suddenly, I, I just suddenly felt awful writing it and thinking, "What well, I'm going to write the story for uh, us to perform to a deaf audience potentially," and that's not, that's not another, you know, they've probably heard enough of my voice, or you know, in the grand scheme of things, could I not, hopefully, find somebody who could right from that that viewpoint which is what prompted your decision to sort of discover a, a deaf yeah, writer which um i'm yeah I'm, i've started i've connected with a deaf writer but i don't know if they're going to be the final one but um i've mm. I contacted a few and um it, it's actually quite hard <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't managed that many so mm. we shall see and what other kind of creative decisions do you feel like you're making at the moment that embed accessibility inside of this gig? And, and how has that process actually felt for you to discover those solutions? Or I sort of hate the word solutions. It sounds very reductionist. Um, but, what, but what have you discovered, I guess, in this process? Um, it just sort of uh, makes you increase the sort of the breadth of, of the design and you really have to, I mean, it should be something instinctive done by all artists and all um, venues, etc. It is, and I hope it's changed. It seems like it's changing. Um, but then again, I, as I don't identify as disabled either, I, I'm not in, I'm not tuned into to these issues as well. Someone who is disabled, but uh, it, um, it really makes you consider 
all all senses it makes you want to makes you want to make sure that the um the the narrative is is very clear so we're having we're having everything signed um but it's also going to be pre the narrative's going to be recorded so you'll be able to it will be signed and you'll be able to hear it and it will be hopefully it's going to be videoed as well so it will be blown up really big so it won't just be one performer signing it will be um if there's it, it will be sort of bright and bold in the space as well um so uh yeah all of those things are obviously really important because it makes it increases the level of enjoyment and inclusivity for everyone and hopefully it it increases it for everyone it's not um it's not like those perks are, are just for disabled people like those those production elements should feed into everyone which makes the performance as a whole much stronger and much more powerful um and i really think it will so we've never we've never had to think in this all encompassing way before and it's it's been a really really worthwhile process and we're really glad to be connecting with people from the community and actually performing with them like that's a really important part for us is that we don't feel like we've actually connected with with people from these communities so um if we can connect you know very deep creative sense like being in the rehearsal room with them performing with them and collaborating with them then um i think that's that's one of the best things we can do um because it's just mm. means more people are involved and more people are represented it makes me think that if this process was to be repeated actually that would be a much more profound way of kicking this process off would be to literally bring communities together to create something like a like a devising process that's held where there is members of the like creative members of the deaf community brought together with a band and then together in in a, a process that's ideally in person um but if not it's held digitally somehow mm-hmm. um that is how the decisions are made um because it kind of it makes me think of that sentence which is so um it's all around the the uk i think nothing about us without us um and i think that that kind of says it all Mm. um it's so interesting when you bring two worlds together it's like i i spent a while on deaf youtube just looking at um videos and it's so cool there's so many good things that i would never have that's a world that i just haven't looked at and it's so interesting and you suddenly see sort of a whole foray of like media that people are taking in that I would never look at and that's I think that's what it's about of like sharing with different communities because that that could be true of any community is oh I suddenly I'm really interested in football so I'll, I'll look at all those things and it's that it's just about sharing communities and wow never thought i'd say those words it's <laughs> all about bringing communities together it is i agree with you <laughs> um and it's making me think as well you know one of the big things is this has been this process has been incredible in lots of ways because we've had to adapt so many times but it has been a struggle at points and i know that there have been some real challenges for you um you know not only are we trying to do something not in the country that we all live in 
you're trying to do something with nine other individuals who don't live near you or and also you can't see and and you can't practice with to create the score of the music that you're going to use <coughs> in the gig that's coming up in a place which you don't even know if you can be at <laughs> right um with instruments that are commonly thought of as being the ones that would pass um, COVID-19 the most, right? Even though we know that's been disproved. But, disproved. Um, disproved. Thanks, denied. Science. <laughs> science. So um, how have you been approaching this creatively, like holding your group together? And um, if you want to share some of the challenges, feel free. But um, I am really interested in what kind of, how, how have you been... Um, producing this how have you been directing this what has worked for you as creatives to kind of keep yourselves going um well we we've had to uh, we've got we've got a smaller team within the band there's a kind of a core team of three who are working on this particular show um just because pe- it's it gets harder with other people's schedules and other people's other projects um uh uh, to have all nine voices involved. Um, we gave everyone in the group the opportunity to be involved, but some people opted out. So everyone who opted in to um, to, mm. to produce the show opted in. Um, so we've got people a core very team. very narrow-minded. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't interested in the project. Narrow-minded <laughs> people in the band. Yeah, some, some people are a bit mean, a bit nasty. Yeah, they're mean people, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're not really the lovely, uh, but it, it's um, so yeah. There's a there's a core team of, of three who are who are, have been bashing out the the main creative elements. Um, uh, the 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 main thing that we're waiting to do in terms of composing, people have been sketching and composing on their own. Um, we are going to get in the room together this Sunday. Um, providing well actually we don't have a drummer because he's got covid which is not funny uh our drummer has covid because, uh... it's funny because the, the one thing that you know we've been trying to do is like we did it we also rehearsed last week and now you know we're all having to test and things because ricky did have he did test positive after that so then suddenly rehearsing becomes a bit risky again and mm-hmm. it's a it's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, but we hopefully will be in the room on Sunday. Um, but the the main uh, the main musical development is just going to come when we, we we've got two days in in production with the pendulum in uh, August. So just being in the space with this contraption with these contraptions, um, we'll have two days to play play with it and just. We, when we get together, we we can normally come up with things like fairly quickly. We've got this sort of lovely joint musical mind. Um, we're used to co-composing in the room, so in in that sense, if as long as we can do that session, that feels very comfortable because I know there'll be interesting things that will come from it. We've got a nice big space. We can rig it. We can repeat it, um, and just develop the music so that that's where the the majority of the music will be built and then aside from that mickey and me and jen are, are there kind of kind of casting it looking for people developing the narrative um so yeah we're 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 confident but yeah times 
Time's tight. The sands are trickling away. <laughs> <laughs> you like that link back to the, um, yeah. I loved it. Thanks. Yeah, I loved it. I actually, um, I most appreciated the contraption link. Mm. That was very real for me. That was very, very deep when you said that. <laughs> I was like, wow, it is the contraption of the perhaps contraption. That's very exciting. Um, and it's, uh, it definitely is coming through this whole thing that, uh, you know, the, it, it sounds like this piece, that the Revelland gigs is the beginning of something of a piece that will go beyond the Revelland experience, I would I would assume. Is that safe to say? This is not going to just. It won't be something that you do for Revelland and then you go, and that's that piece over. <laughs> this is something that is the kind of beginning of a, a of a of a new installation for you. Yeah, we absolutely we hope so, and that was that was part of the brief from the very start of Revelland is to be able to devise a performance that can be duplicated and won't be too costly um, so we can go on and and yeah travel to other places and the way we're designing it might be that we could take the piece with the full cast of musicians and performers or maybe there's a version of the piece that we can that can travel quite easily um, just with instructions to set up so that's that's really nice that the pieces it should be scalable and we hope that it will have um, a long life, a legacy. Going, legacy. I'm going to do my politicians' legacy. Le legacy. Legacy. Uh, going forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's really fantastic. Um, and if if you were to imagine another band kind of next year getting involved in this mm. process, and presumably we won't have another COVID nineteen during um, or pandemic during during their experience. Who knows? But if we keep it focused and, and sort of not including COVID-19, what advice would you give to those bands? I think um, be flexible. <laughs> I, I think be... It's really helped us not having a really solid vision at the beginning, which um, sounds wrong like it, it feels like you should start with a solid vision and then work towards it but it's been really helpful not having that solid vision because the circumstances have been ever-changing so I think it would have been quite sad if we'd really bought into this idea of this one show and then it's um, gone but as a result we have created something that fits the circumstances which maybe is of its time and is a reflection of where we are. Um, so that would be my advice. <laughs> That's not advice, is it? Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good advice. Keep smiling. That's definitely advice. Keep smiling, Keep... guys. <laughs> That's my yeah, advice. Yeah, be nimble, be nimble. I'd say nimble, yeah. not flexible, but you know. That's... Nimble, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and just use, like that. use the use the technology around you like you, there's plenty of ways to collaborate even though you're separate um i got one of these things called a phone the other day so at any time i can just mickey's got his own numbers i just call him up and we mm. we connect so use <laughs> use the technology around you people <laughs> 
Um, but no, sorry, I'm, I'm messing. Um, even things like you can using logic or different doors that you can you can co-compose in so many different ways now. Um, so just use those tools as well as well as being very flexible. Well, I am super excited to see or experience the pendulum. Um, and the next time we speak to you, it will be during the gigs somehow. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And if you've nothing else to say, I then we can wave yeah, goodbye. I just tried to call you, Christo, but it doesn't work. You had it on airplane mode. Uh, I'll call, call you later. I'm, I'm busy now. <laughs> your Why is no one calling me? Have you got one? Of, have you got one? It meant nothing. <laughs> a, a phone? Yeah. I think my neighbour's got one, yeah. They're oh, great. They're going to be big. <laughs> thanks for having us. And <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> thanks for being here. Let's hopefully great. see you in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yes. Fingers crossed. Bye. Bye. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining the July episode of the Revelland podcast. Stay in touch with us at Discover Revelland.